Hello and welcome to the Home Assistant Podcast. This is episode 49 and today we're talking about 0.92 again. So as usual, we've got uh, Phil joining us. Hey Phil. Hey, how's it going? Good, thanks. And we've got a special guest on today as usual, but today is actually really special. We've got Pascal on. Hey Pascal, how are you? Hi guys, uh, fine, thanks. This episode is sponsored by Home Assistant Cloud by Nabucasa. Easily and securely access your local Home Assistant instance remotely for a small monthly fee that also supports the Home Assistant project. Configuration is via the user interface, so no fiddling with router settings, SSL certificates, or YAML. So if for those that aren't aware, Pascal's employee number one of Nabucasa. So you're, you're dedicated to working full-time on, on Home Assistant. Uh, yes, it's my dream job. It's amazing. <laughs> I have, I have That's no, awesome. Yeah, there's no time to fix bugs and yeah, there you go. stuff. That's very cool. Yeah. And so you also were the mastermind behind the original Hass IO uh, that was the all-in-one product that gets shipped out. So every time there's a new release for Hass IO with regards to the latest Home Assistant release, that's all this guy. So it's going to be awesome to chat to you a bit later on too. That's awesome. Point nine two is here. We're a week late. Last time we talked about kind of some of the stuff that's going to be happening. And, and so this week we're going to give a little more detail on that release. With it being delayed a week, it, it's kind of throwing our podcast schedule out slightly. So we don't exactly know how this is going to work out. But right now we're keeping our podcast release schedule the same two weeks. And, and I think we're going to try and figure out uh, between Phil and myself based on what's happening, what makes most sense. Uh, and, and we'll, if needed, we'll adjust accordingly. Yeah, because I think last week we touched on that there is uh, the discussions in the Home Assistant repos about a potential change uh, to the release cycle. And actually, Pascal was the one that sort of kicked that off. So, Pascal, for those that aren't aware, Home Assistant has a release basically at the moment, basically every week. There's a beta in one week and the following week, a, a proper release, you know, that everyone gets on the, the main channel. So from your point of view, because you're the one that has, because you being the only employee at Nebuchadnezzar, apart from Paulus, you two are the only working full-time on Home Assistant, why do you see a need to change the release cycle? Well, so one point is we need more time for, yeah, for make new features or complex features. So we yep. go into direction to uh, version one. And for that, we need a uh, yeah, bigger core uh, change. And uh, yeah, they need to be tested better. So uh, a week is, is very small. So you, you merge a PR. Two days later, you see, oh, no, <laughs> yeah, it needs to be better. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, yeah, and you fixed that. And it's already in the beta. So you need to fix also the beta. And, and yeah, that's, that's not very quality management. So it's very bad for the quality. And uh, the other point is it's a lot of work. So it's a half day of work to prepare a new release. Uh, after that, you need to uh, manage with other developers, uh, uh, organize some other stuff, and uh, prepare the blog post, whatever. And it's all time so stupid work ever and every week and it's it, it needs time. Repetitive, I'm sure. Yeah. Yep. So 
Yeah. We have some automation and, and yeah, that works not bad, but sometimes they fail. Some need to look, oh, this uh, PR is tagged for, uh, yeah, for bug fix release, but the uh, source code is, it's not able to, to merge it back into an, into older version. And yeah, it's, it's not very uh, funny work. Yeah, I can imagine. Well, I guess at the moment there's a lot of discussions going on and we'll, we'll have to see where all the, the chips land basically on uh, the way forward. I, I think there's a lot of people saying that, oh, we should be able to go faster. There's some people saying, well, if we go slower, it might take longer for bug fixes to come out. So I know it's a very heated discussion at the moment within uh, the core devs at the Home Assistant. So well, we won't weigh into it too much, but uh, it's certainly interesting times, especially, you know, we've all got to remember that the end goal is to get something stable out there for, for all users and, and hopefully less time for you. Yeah, it's mostly the users or yeah, the most feedback was uh, that a longer release circle will be better. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think also that two weeks for a development is a lot of less rush for us. So we don't need... Uh, rush up to bring new features in the next release or, or fix some things. Well, our uh, yeah to-do list is, is very big, <laughs> so we work <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> so we work sometimes on two, three different uh, features on the same time, and uh, I'll flip around. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully that that bit of focus will help you guys, uh, like like from a stability perspective too, right? It's just more focus you can put into one one piece of the code rather than you know, being split brain running around half working on this, half working on that kind of thing, right? So Yeah. And yeah, it's it's all the release, it's amazing. It's so so many developers they they put code into the next release, but that need all be organized and that needs also time. And that is mostly yeah. forgotten by users. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well we're eagerly awaiting a, a, a where this decision changes because you know right now for as long as i can remember home assistant has always been a a two-week release cycle so it'll be interesting to to see how that all changes yeah Mm -hmm. the beta is very new uh, before we didn't have a beta but it was not the idea that we we make a a weekly uh, release circle with beta stable beta stable yeah it's 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 growing in that direction, but it's wrong. So we need to change it uh, to yeah. make it better. That's fair enough. Fair, yeah. All right. Uh, something cool that came out on uh, Reddit the past uh, couple of weeks, there was some discussions around automating uh, tracking parcels. Uh, so originally, uh, Jim Onesie on Reddit posted an example using a command line sensor to scrape an email from Amazon, which would then display a custom Lovelace card uh, to say, you know, these are the packages that are expected. Uh, Then AudioDev on Reddit took it one step further and created a uh, sensor that I believe is powered by Node-RED that can also be customized to scrape for different packages from not only Amazon, but, you know, maybe DHL or, or any of the like. So there's some actually, that's actually some really cool stuff. We'll leave links in the show notes to the Reddit discussions uh, if you want to take a look. But it is interesting to see how, you know, some smart people out there are using, you know, existing components, you know, the command line sensor, email scrapers and all that to go in and, you know, tell Home Assistant some more information just based on 
emails that land in your inbox. So I thought that was a really cool use case for Home Assistant. Yeah, that is pretty neat. I actually saw one of the comments was that I, I think it was the one uh, the Jim Onesie uh, created was that uh, it took it one step further that if it is uh, expected to rain more than 90% outside and you've got a package delivered today, you can actually have Home Assistant do something about it. So maybe like send you an alert, say, hey, it's going to rain today and you've got a package, maybe like get home early or something like that. Oh, that's kind of neat. Yeah, that's pretty smart. Yeah. yeah, I thought that was really smart. Yeah, that way you don't have soggy package. <laughs> exactly. So something else really cool that came uh, the last couple of weeks, uh, Ian Richardson has made some pretty cool custom Lovelace cards. So if you're, you know, if you don't know what to put on your Lovelace UI, check these out. We'll leave a link for those in the show notes. So there's an RSS feed card, a Roku card, a tracked plugin card, uh, and an Aftership card that, so all of these look really interesting. So that's, uh, thanks, thanks for putting that out there. Uh, these are really, really cool uh, little innovations. Yeah. All right, so we're just going to touch on uh, 0.92. I know we, we touched on it in the last episode, but there are some important breaking changes because this was such a, a big release. There were many breaking changes. And the I think the big one that's come out of this one is the Google Translate platform has been renamed. So if you're using the I think it's Google Text-to-Speech or one of those translation services, it's actually been renamed. And when you upgrade to 0.92, Home Assistant will attempt to go into your YAML files, your configuration YAML files, and update the configuration for you. So it's just going to do a find replace. It may not work if you're using like include files or packages. So just watch out for that. And also, if you then need to downgrade from 0.92 back to 0.91, for example, uh, Home Assistant won't rename those, won't undo those changes to your config files. So do watch out for that one. Yeah, that's uh, that's a that's an interesting one. Google Assistant now needs a pin before controlling doors and locks and that kind of things. The, the allow unlock option has been removed for cloud as well as manual Google Assistant uh, installs, uh, and and this was actually interestingly uh, came from Google. It sounds like yeah, it looks like Google requested that one, so it got the priority straight in. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to know because I'm not a, a Google Home user. I wonder how accurate the like saying a pin would be to google because I, I can i sometimes you know to my amazon echo say you know turn off the bedroom lights and it doesn't understand me like imagine you know saying you know uh unlock the front door and it goes okay what's the pin and then you say the pin and it doesn't recognize it like are you just going to get like stuck in a, a loop there yeah but maybe someone that yeah i i have, don't have google home so hopefully you know it would Maybe it just takes, you know, if it sounds like it, I will accept that. But, yeah, that's it's, interesting. It's very secure. <laughs> After you say it, the pin, <laughs> every, every day I heard you <laughs> know it. <laughs> well, that's it, right? I mean, it depends if you say it loud enough, too. I mean, I'm sure your neighbors or whoever are always like, why is this guy constantly yelling 1999? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Every day, right? Voice assistant uh, already amazing at the home, but outside, it's very annoying. Everyone can hear you yeah. what you say to assistant, so it's not very funny. Yeah, but, but at the home, it's cool. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Logi Circle integration has changed its API. So if you're using the Logi Circle integration, you'll now need to authenticate with the new API, which Home Assistant is using. Previously, Home Assistant was using a private API, and with 0.92, this is now using a more stable 
and official public API. So hopefully that means there's less chance of it going away in the future. So along with this update, some services from LogiCircle have been removed from the camera component, mm. and you must now call them from the LogiCircle component. So this is more making sure like consistency across Home Assistant so that you know LogiCircle-specific services remain in their platform and don't you know, complicate the camera platform too much. Right, which which makes sense because they may be doing things that are out of that. I don't want to use the word circle, ironically. But, <laughs> uh, which, which is out of that, yeah, exactly. Which 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 is out of that circle, but uh, but 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 at the same time, you know, you still want to have those component uh, those features in there, right? So I, yeah. I get that one. I think it's a very cool movement that the manufacturer open his API or make public APIs. That we can attach. Yes, that's that's very nice. Yeah, that, and, yeah, and that's been something we've actually talked about on the show before, right around January, when you know a lot of stuff was being shut down and all that stuff. Especially they, you know, there was that big fiasco where they shut down their, uh, I guess, their unofficial API for the Harmony remotes. Yeah. Right. So it's it's good to see a company uh, like that doing, you know, opening up their APIs, like you said. So the media player component uh, is now a little more strict. So you may you may find some issues. So what essentially what happens is when you're making a call to a media player service, like turn on, turn off, so on and so forth, it'll actually be checked to see if the player supports those features. So as an example, if you do media player dot turn off on a Sono speaker, which can't actually turn off, uh, that won't work, right? So this may this may result in some stuff breaking. Hopefully not, but but make sure you test them after that you upgrade. Yeah, that's interesting. So I guess maybe if someone's using a media player turn off on a Sonos speaker, expecting it to just stop playing, it may, you know, with a 0.92 update, that may not actually be the case anymore. So it's not really, mm-hmm. I, I guess it is a, it's going to be a breaking change for some people. It's going to be, it's, it's sort of, I guess when you think about it, yeah, okay, I can't really turn off a Sonos speaker, so I shouldn't, you know, try and turn it off. I should actually just call the, the stop service instead. Yeah, exactly. So, so you, you know, I mean, that that I don't know how good of an example that is in the sense that I don't know if it just won't work or if it'll actually spit out an error kind of thing, right? I believe it used, I, I don't believe it'll spit out an error or anything. It's now just going to be completely silent. So yeah. you won't even know. Yeah. It's very hard to find out that, that breaking change <laughs> that you are affecting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, so... Pascal, this is the the time of the the episode where we get to to grill you, and I guess I think first of all we should start with because you are the creator of Hassio. What I, mean, I assume you're running Hassio, you, unless you're like Frank, who just decided to create Hassio add-ons without ever <laughs> using Home Assistant. Uh, as the creator of Hassio, what hardware are you personally using to run Hassio with? Uh, that's funny. <laughs> I use a very old <laughs> Raspberry uh, P3 for my home. So I'm ah. porting house OS to, to many platforms, and I have a, a really a lot of hardware behind me. <laughs> but for me <laughs> personally, I use an old RP3. Well, so that's interesting because one of the another follow up question I, I thought of was that. We asked Paulus uh, a couple of episodes ago when we had some Twitter questions, you know, will Home Assistant ever outgrow the Raspberry Pi? Do you ever feel that HassOS and HassIO will outgrow the Raspberry Pi with, you know, all the add-ons that are coming out at the moment? Yeah, yeah. It's 
some add-ons need a lot of uh, resource. And if you have a lot add-on installed and yeah, they all access to SD cards and uh, it's it's slow. Yeah. So if you yeah. install and start the add-on, that take time. And if you look to uh, yeah, to the Intel NUC, that is very fast. You can press start and the add-on is running. And on the Raspberry, you need time. But if all is running, it's it runs. So if, I, I, uh, yeah, I have three floors and I have a lot of components and, and hardware and all is automated in my home. I have no wall mount buttons. All is working with uh, presence detection and they go really fast also with a Raspberry Pi 3. So the booting time is maybe bad, but yeah, I, yep. I never restart the device often. So Yeah, that's fair. But yeah, that that's yeah that's the, the, the human he need all time faster so smartphone need to go faster and faster <laughs> more that's memory right. <laughs> more memory <laughs> but it, the reality you don't need so much resource yeah fair enough um so 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 on on a sort of related note um ideally what kind of hardware would you would you want to be running like what what hardware do you recommend um let's say i'm a new has io user um what what should i go out and get yeah, maybe oversized, but I like the Intel NUC. Yeah. Because you have a, a hard disk and not a card, and that makes it a lot faster. Yeah, it makes it a lot faster. And and from a longevity perspective, too, I think. Yeah. Because uh, there's less rights to the disk and yeah. so on. Or, sorry, not, not less rights to the disk, sorry. Um, it, the, the hard disk can take more rights, yeah. right? Or the hard drive yes. can take more rights, so as opposed to an SD card, so. Okay, the, the operating system HasOS is a, a embedded Linux and we optimize it that the, the main part of the system is read-only. So we minimize the write access to Astercard, what is right. possible, but yeah, <laughs> we have no access to the add-ons and we cannot control how many writes they will be executed yeah. to Astercard. Yeah, exactly. And logging and all yeah. that, if you do it on board, right? If you don't have a separate, if you don't ship your logs off to something else, then, you know, again, these are hits to the card, right? But I think for a start and for a small home and for beginning, a Raspberry Pi 3 is, is yeah, is enough. So, yeah, yeah. Start. And uh, yeah, I work on a porting for uh, Rock. 64 Pro, and yeah, that's a very cool ARM hardware. Yeah, really fast, and maybe my yeah my favorite <laughs> for the next house OS release. <laughs> oh, interesting! That's cool. Yeah, because we see all the time you get like a whole bunch of random hardware that people yeah. either donate to you or you pick up somewhere. And you just try and get HasOS running on it. So it's really cool, like the the way you're trying to get so many different systems and, and um, uh, hardware systems out there working with HasOS. Yeah, and that I think it's a big thanks to a build route because they makes very easy to porting the operating system to different hardware. It, it right. times, but it's it's yeah, it's. Normally very simple. So uh, in the 0.92 release, we had the Ingress feature launched, which basically allows uh, HasIO add-ons to uh, be able to access 
uh, remotely from the Home Assistant Cloud. Is that available now uh, with the release of 0.92? Is that available for all Hasayo add-ons, or is it still a few add-ons here and there that aren't supported? Uh, it's possible or available for all add-ons, but the developer need to integrate it into add-ons. Right. So it's not, uh, yeah, it's it's, it's not uh, on the start. Work. Yeah, so basically an add-on developer will need to update the add-on to support the ingress feature. Yeah, and I think it's not possible or make not sense for all add-ons to integrate that. So in case of Plex, uh, Plex is local only, uh, a very yep. complex uh, web UI. And yeah, that will be too hard to implement or make no sense. And uh, yeah, it's some recommends to the web interface that it need uh, yeah that need exist otherwise it's not possible to porting that to to ingress but that, that it's amazing sense. yeah also the the ingress is not uh, <laughs> is not taken for the nabucasa cloud it's it's a nice additional that it works in that way but we solve a big or face up a big problem the user have with port management. So all the time you give a new port, uh, it, yep. it's, you need to add the SSL certificate and you need to handle that all. And uh, yeah, you need to open the editor. Uh, when, when If you have one that in, on the panel, in, you need to add that to panel. And for a normal user, it's, it's very complicated. And the idea with Ingress is that you can install the add-on and can say, I want to see that on the menu bar and all is set up. So it's all ah. thing sign on. It's very easy to use. And that was the reason for, yeah, for Ingress. But That's awesome. Yeah. All right. Hey, everyone. I just wanted to take a minute to talk about the Eufy Video Lock. It's a smart lock that's really easy to set up with just a Phillips screwdriver and no extra drilling. It's got a keyless entry, so you don't need to worry about fumbling with the keys when your hands are full. Also, you don't need to worry about handing out extra keys when you're in a pinch, your kids losing them, or people copying the key and passing it around to each other. Something else I like about the Eufy Video Lock is that it has a camera built in and it works as a doorbell as well. Personally, I think the Eufy Video Lock is great for apartments or cottages where you can't necessarily add extra holes for a video doorbell. My favorite part about it, though, is that there isn't a monthly fee and your recordings are locally stored, so you don't have to worry about someone else owning your doorbell data. You can find it on Amazon, or if you want to know more, search Eufy Video Lock, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. And so then as a benefit, like a side benefit to that feature came along, you know, cloud access yeah. to add-ons. So that's really cool. It, it's also for the port forwarding. So if you use port forwarding, uh, you, you can use, yeah, you profit also from, from this new feature. That's cool. Yeah, that is very cool. And yeah, I, I create HAS, OS, or HAS.io because uh, all time friends, our family come to me at home and say, oh, that's cool. I want that. Can you install that on my home? And my answer was all the time, no. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, but I have no time to manage uh, additional Raspberry to update your home. 
have that's too difficult. And yeah. I noticed that is is a burden of of, of home assistant that is not it's not possible to use that for everyone. And so the idea come up for Hus.io to make an all-in-one system that should be very user-friendly. Right. Yeah, for sure. But uh, yeah, everything needs to grow up. So <laughs> all the features, uh, yeah, they will be never released. If we release uh, all that features, they will come up soon. Uh, at the same time, we release Hasso.io. Yeah, fair enough. And, and and it's a right step forward too, right? And I mean, we've talked about it with Paulus quite a few times about simplification and all that stuff. So I think I think it's a it's a great leap forward. Yeah. So so you've released Ingress now, which is uh, arguably a pretty big feature and and has IO. Um what else are you planning for has IO? Like what are the future plans uh for the platform? Yeah, I think after uh, Ingress it it's hard to top that feature. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think next or next changes are all under the hood and must not see by user. So I will uh, or I work on a future for a customized container, so the user is able to install or add additional libraries to the Home Assistant container. Okay. For customer, uh, yeah, for customer components. And Home Assistant make also the movement to offload the components external. So that will be very yeah, interesting for a system like Docker. At yeah. the moment, yeah. We, yeah, we deliver one image with all components. <laughs> and yeah, we work on a system or we discover what we need to do for that we can uh, ship that out without all components and users are able to install that later on real time so that's very difficult it sounds very easy but <laughs> in the background it's it's really difficult no that sounds like a lot of work yeah yeah because one of the the points behind docker is that it you know it is stateless you basically have your config that you know remains consistent among you know when a container dies or whatever or you need to restart it and then it can bring up the same config but everything that you know the core system behind it could be it doesn't matter what version it is it's just fresh and so if you're moving away from you know components being shipped as part of that base image you're sort of becoming a, an anti-pattern in docker where you're sort of telling it you know here's the the features that i want you to update on the fly so it does make sense that this is going to be a, a pretty big change especially because hasos and hasio are based on docker so yeah. you're going to need to somehow find a, a place that you can write all these components or plugins and and keep them up to date and, and be able to then have them you know work with docker yeah yeah we resident changed something so that the home assistant container is not stateless anymore before all time you reboot the home assistant you create a new container yeah. and reset everything that you modified maybe local now after first start you create a stateful container and is, you are able to change some things and you can reboot and they will be remember all changes and there is a new command that you can rebuild the container and if you don't call this rebuild command the container hold all states of the oh, interesting interesting okay I, I didn't realize you guys you guys made that change 
Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> Some things are very hidden <laughs> or not hidden <laughs> in the release notes, but yeah. Yeah, that that requires reading the whole release notes, though, Pascal. That that's that's, that's the problem. <laughs> I think also uh, uh, currently we have a protection system. So if a Home Assistant update fails, he automatically roll back to the last working Home Assistant version. Okay. Uh, because yeah, most of us IO installation are headless. Yeah. And yeah. if the system will break, the user have a problem <laughs> or need a lot of work to make it work, working again. Yeah, they'll have no UI to log back into or, and recover from. Exactly. But, yeah, go grab a monitor and do all that. Yeah. Right? Uh, problem with the problem is if you make a rollback, we lock that, but we don't lock why we roll back. <laughs> and so it's very hard uh, for the user <laughs> to find out, oh, it's a breaking change. Right, right. Make the rollback. And uh, yeah, we're working also on a new feature that we report the locks of a wrong start back to user. The to UI, a user interface that he can see, oh, I need to change this config and try again the update. Right. So now a user can be able to see, all right, I just hit the upgrade button, but it didn't upgrade. It's been 20 minutes. Why am I still back in the old version? Now yeah. they'll get a, an error to say, hey, you would try to upgrade, but you've got a breaking change here that you need to address and then try again. Exactly. Yeah. The, yeah. It has, I always cool, but uh, yeah, it needs to be more user friendly, like Home Assistant. And that will be the goal of this year to make more to make all things more user-friendly. That's awesome. Yeah, and I, I, we've seen that a lot with the push to, you know, the config UI, you know, entity registries or becoming in the UI now. We're trying to move away from YAML where possible just to make things a, li- a bit more user-friendly so you don't need to know how to touch code if you don't want to. Obviously, it's not there completely yet, but we can clearly see that's the direction we're heading in. Yeah, yeah we're working uh, or. Uh, on my task list is also a better hardware detection. So mm-hmm. you can put in a C-Wave stick and he detect. oh, I need to install this add-on and a pop-up, please install this. Maybe right. for, for Dresden or Homeatics, uh, that is a USB stick and you put it in and need to install the add-on. And I will automate that process. Oh, the whole hardware handling is, yeah, Okay, that's the problem of Docker, but it's a bit ugly, and I need <laughs> work on it to <laughs> to make yeah. a better feeling with hardware handlings. So yeah, that's some box around they need to fix it. But yeah, it's all time sounds simple, but in the background, it's a lot of changes and yeah. discovering. It, it's funny because I'm just thinking this is this is. Like we've gotten to the state where I mean, some some of these uh, internally, it is it is very complicated, right? And uh, and and a lot of this came from you just not wanting to install other people's Raspberry Pis for them with, with Home <laughs> Assistant and stuff, right? And it's just, but uh, but but it, but it's it's cool where where we're going with this, right? I mean, I think I think that's definitely. Um, something exciting right like where you know you plug it in it just kind of picks it up on its own and starts going hey do you want to install this yes or whatever or whatever that workflow looks like right and i think that that that's awesome 
Yeah, I think Raspberry Pi is very lovely by, by user, but currently yeah. I see the movement to the virtual appliance. So we have a big grow in, in, with virtual appliance. I think they can replace Raspberry Pi in yeah, maybe in a year. Interesting. Okay. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I, I wouldn't have thought that just because, uh, again, a Raspberry Pi is just so accessible, right? Or, or you know, Raspberry Pi-like devices, right? So that's cool. I think a lot of users have uh, Unraid or other NAS systems. They, yeah. they can now have, have a full uh, virtualized environment. And yeah, it's very simple to install um, HasOS with HasIO on such device. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. So one thing we see regularly with the HasIO is slightly delayed from seeing the latest Home Assistant releases because uh, obviously there's additional work that you have to do, uh, like customized containers and all that. Are there any plans on ways that this can be improved or automated so that HasIO releases come out faster or closer to when like the other Home Assistant releases come out? Uh, yeah, we work on a new uh, build system. <laughs> but I need to say first, it was a hard work that he built so fast. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, it, it looks like, oh, it's not very fast. So four hours, yeah, it, it's slow. But the first version was 12 hours or 80 hours. Right, yeah. And wow. Yeah, it, it's, it needs a lot of time to, to uh, cross-compile all the components. And need yeah, a yeah. lot of resource, and we working on a caching system that we small down or or yeah, at, uh, increase the build time. And now we are on yeah four hours for a build, but the problem is we build all times every component, and that is yeah that is not very great. And Frank has the idea that we change the build system to use wheels, so. Uh, the idea is that we create our own fields repository. Yeah. And uh, uh, on every change or every push to Home Assistant, we build in the background every uh, real new. Or is uh, a library I've changed? We look at this library I've changed and we compile this library and push up in our repository. And for on the release, we have already all compiled, so we need only install the wheel. And that takes, yeah, yeah, maybe 10 minutes. Right. So, so instead of doing the whole, whole platform every time, it's just, you know, smaller components and, and then integrate those smaller components in. Exactly. Essentially. So yeah. we, we don't no. build uh, all the components at one time on the release. So we, we make that over the whole development cycle. Yeah. Okay. And, That's kind of cool. And maybe that could be also the yeah the key for split out the components from home assistant because we have all pre-compiled and if you build the home assistant container we can uh, load that to yes uh, into container pre-compiled and need only and zip that and it's ready right right because oh, nice yeah if you build some libraries it can take yeah an hour on the Raspberry Pi. <laughs> so if you need to wait two, three hours, 
every update to to come up with Home Assistant. That yeah, that is too long. And uh, yeah, with the, uh, with a build system, they all they uh, compile or hot standby all the components. It's go very fast. So I think in two three release it could be that has io will be real time very cool oh that'll be exciting yeah yeah that that will be great so we we automate everything in the background every build add-ons and and all on is now full automated with azure pipes so if i mm-hmm. change everything in a repository they build the docker container and push that up and the next project is to do the same with a Home Assistant container and with the pre-compiling of components. And uh, that make it possible that we can build all with Azure. Oh, wow, Very okay. Cool. Yeah. So Azure uh, offer us or offer every open source project to use 10 very fast uh, build machines. And yes, we use now this build machines to build our Hasai or release. Wow, very cool. That's, I didn't actually realize they had that. Yeah, that, well, good that they're giving back to open source community. And I guess they do own GitHub now, yeah. well, Microsoft. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> GitHub is also on the hand of Microsoft there. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's a problem that uh, release take, yeah, takes so long. But I think we see a light on the end of the tunnel. Yeah, nice. Well, I mean, switching gears a little bit, I mean, I'd love to know a little bit about your setup, right? So, like, how long have you been have you been using Home Assistant? Uh, three and a half years. <laughs> wow. <laughs> to the day, That's three cool. and a half years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and how about home automation as a whole? Like, is it, you know, did you start with home assistant or? or... Yeah, I start for five years with OpenUp. Okay. Yep. Uh, after my uh, first children was born. Yeah. So I, the, yeah, the room was very cold, and I tried to automate the, the head setup. <laughs> okay. And that was the beginning of my home automation history. That's funny. It's funny. Everybody has always got this like one little trigger, right? For you, it's, you know, your, your kids were born and the room's too cold. So now it's, and, and, and yeah, it's, it's, it's funny always hearing kind of how, how people get into it. Right. Yeah, sure. And so I I can see in, so we've got a a video feed while we're recording. I can see in the background, it looks like you've got a a Philips Hue bloom or, or light strip up in the, the corner there. What sort of smart home, components or technologies are you using if you, apart from like Philips Hue I'm guessing you've got Z-Wave or anything like that yeah, I use a lot of different platforms so I have Sonos, Neatatmo Homeartics uh, mostly Homeartics or Homeartic IP uh, yep. okay. I have uh, Zigbee uh, Decons that's from uh, Dresden Electronics and over that yep. I control my IKEA lights and Hue lights so, oh nice yeah, wow. that in the background is a Sahu bulb. Very cool. Uh, I have also Z-Wave, some IPCAMs, uh, Noki Smart Locks, and ASP Home a bit. Wow. That's, uh, 
Uh, and you find time for Hassel West and Hassel <laughs> <laughs> uh, The problem is I need found time for my home. <laughs> I know, I know. I, I'm working all time on home assistant, but I, yeah, I need to uh, take, um, need look into my calendar and show, oh, a time frame, so <laughs> update my home. <laughs> <laughs> and I, yeah, you, you got to book it in beforehand, right? Just... Uh, <laughs> I have a, a note list. So, and uh, if I see cool uh, new features for a home assistant, <laughs> I take it to the list and I hope I find time to implement that to my home. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. See, see, th- those are the pros of working with home assistant daily, right? Yeah. You, get, you get that, you get that live feed of what's going on you have no time for your own home (laughs) (laughs) that's right that's right um how how about like uh from a presence detection perspective and stuff how how are you utilizing presence detection i uh use a component that i have self-written yeah (laughs) Uh, and i read from my upc modem i read all available devices or local devices and I use own track on smartphone. Okay, okay. And then, and then, do you have those in any any kind of automations that you're, you know, based on? Hey, Pascal's home, do this kind of thing, or? Yeah, I use the Telegram integration and send some Telegram <laughs> to my phone. And okay, yeah, if and uh, automatically close all doors and look if all windows are closed and so on. Otherwise, otherwise, he make a, a note to me, hey. Go back home. <laughs> Your window is open. <laughs> That's cool. That's awesome. So I guess you know uh, that would lead you to what would be your favorite automation that you set up with Home Assistant? The light setup. So because uh, children can't never take light off, <laughs> and all right. all lights are full automated with presence detection. So I have right. have no wall mounted uh, panel. Uh, uh, buttons or so, all is automated. And uh, yeah, if I take the children in the bed, I can say, Alexa, ch- change the setting for the children in the bed, and the light setting is changed. Ah. That's cool. That's cool. So when you say you've got the lights automated, do you have motion sensors as well? So when you walk into a room, the lights turn on automatically? Uh, I use presence detection. Uh, that's like uh, motion detection, but uh, yeah, it's it's the motion detection or a motion sensor need a, a real yeah motion to trigger. Yeah, and the presence yeah. detection. Uh, yeah, if I write on a tastature, that this uh, this uh, kind of uh, movement is is enough to detect it. Oh, right. Oh, yes, yes. That's cool. a presence detection. So it works like a motion detection, but it triggers every small motion. So I can make only so and he detect. Right, right. Yeah, presence oh, sensors. Oh, yeah. Because I think they use a combination of motion and and heat or something like that, right, as well? Yeah. To, to, to check if somebody's in the in the room. I know I was looking into... Uh, at one point, I actually wanted to build my own, and then I was like, ah, I'm not smart enough for this, so I stopped. <laughs> the, but, the biggest problem is so you are on, on, vet, on toilet, vet, <laughs> and yeah, so yeah. motion detection, so you look on your smartphone, and two minutes later, you have no lights. 
and yeah, yeah, detection yeah. they detect that you are in the room. So you can sleep in the room and he don't make the, the light off. Yeah. Ah, now that is cool because I only have motion sensors, which are like Z-Wave motion sensors. So this would solve a lot of my problems that I have to sort of build into. So what sort of when so these presence detections that you have, are they using a particular protocol like Zigbee or Z-Wave or MQTT? That, that is Tomatic IP. That is nice. Okay. Yeah. Nice. I think All that's right. not available in uh, USA or yeah, it's I, of course not. I think it's yeah. only German and yeah, Switzerland, Austria. But Interesting. They works with uh, 800 megahertz. Okay, so oh, sort okay. of similar to an RF protocol, I would say. About that. Maybe, well, maybe, maybe not RF. but Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like RF, yeah. but it's with uh, feedback. So the most right. uh, ch- cheap senders are sent only one direction. And this protocol yep. uh, are in both directions. So he uh, sent a presence detection to the hub or to my USB sticks. And the USB sticks need to uh, quit that he received the signal or he sent it again. Oh, cool. So he, he, can, okay. he can acknowledge the, the, yeah. the uh, essentially a receipt of, uh, of, of receiving yeah. it. Yeah. Interesting. That's cool. Yeah, we, we use, uh, at, in my office, our, all our lights are PoE driven. And even in in every uh, set of lights, they have uh, they have a presence detector in it as well, so so that the lights don't turn off if you're in uh, a specific meeting room or something. Because yeah. we do a lot of telepresence calls and stuff, right? So it looks really bad when you're on a call, and all of a sudden, all your lights turn <laughs> off. So uh, and and you see people scrambling around, like waving uh, frantically, right, <laughs> to, to turn yeah. on the lights. So so to prevent that, we we actually use the same uh, same in our in our offices. Oh, well, that's really cool. I'll have to add that to my shopping list now. Mm-hmm. Thanks, guys. Yeah. yeah, presence detection makes you more happy as motion detection. Yeah, that would solve a lot of my issues. Yeah. yeah. So so how do you drive uh, Home Assistant? Do you, like, do you use voice a lot or do you use the UI? I know you mentioned you have a couple of touch panels. Um, what's the... Yeah, I, I love my Alexa. I, I have an, on every floor Alexa. Yeah, Mike, try it. Don't worry, everybody's everybody's echo just went off right there. So yeah, exactly. You need to make a, a peep sound. That's right. That's right. And uh, yeah, uh, and on the middle floor, I have a big wall mount tablet. Okay. Which you're using, Lovelace, so I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah. Uh, it's it's very <laughs> it's very poor. <laughs> Had no time to make uh, <laughs> a, a nice, lovely interface. <laughs> so That's funny. The, the demo the demo looks better from Home Assistant as my own <laughs> setup. <laughs> <laughs> it is my That's task so list to to make uh, yeah to draw all my home and and set the lights and yeah. That's a very cool yeah, yeah. feature, but I have no time to to draw my home on the computer yeah yeah so so do is it is it just yourself or do you have uh people living with you and 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 do they interact with this as well and and how do they how do they interact if the if there are people yeah uh so well uh, my wife is at home and they use it mostly over smartphone okay <laughs> uh yeah they don't like alexa <laughs> I don't know why, but 
Yeah, my children are two. Yeah, the oldest children is five years old, and yeah, okay. it's, it's too young to use. Yeah, yeah, use, yeah. Yeah, to use the web interface, but he used Alexa. That's funny. Yeah, that, that, that's, funny. that's not surprising at all. Yeah. <laughs> that's but cool. It's, it's yeah, it looks very nice. So all stay around Alexa and try to speak with Alexa. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Thank you so much for taking the time, Pascal. We appreciate it. See you next time. Yeah, thanks for too. Cheers. Cheers. Bye. If you want to share your home assistant journey or come on as a guest, reach out to us at feedback at haspodcast.io. That's H-A-S-S podcast.io. The Home Assistant Podcast is hosted by Phil Hawthorne and myself, Rohan Karamandi. For links to topics that we discussed today, check out our show notes on haspodcast.io.